0: So first of all, thank you for uh, coming and listening to this wonderful uh, session of ours, but also for the Montana Historical Society for inviting me to share some uh, little-known stories and facts about the Parmley, Bill- Parmley Memorial uh, Library during World War I. And uh, the, the title of this conference, the, the subject, the theme of this conference, Time of Change Time, or "Times of Trouble, Time of Change, greatly exemplifies what I'm about to share. Um, and, and I hope that you can see that, that there was some hope that came out of World War I too. Maybe some inspiration, maybe I'll leave you with a little inspirational story. Um, but before I begin, I wanna share with you that, that I'm not a Montanan. So I came up here from Oklahoma uh, via South Dakota, born and raised over in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And when I first arrived here, my staff um, at the Billings Public Library, I asked them, I said, you know, I wanna know all about uh, Montana history. And so they started sharing, me with, sharing books with me, and the books were all about mining disasters or forest fires or the vigilantes. And I started thinking, are you guys trying to run me off of here? There's gotta be a good story somewhere. And all of a sudden, my, my archivist at the library said, here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a file that I want you to read. And it was all about Elizabeth Garber, who I'm about to share with you. And it is a story of inspiration, it's a story of hope, it's a story of change during a very difficult time. But with all that being said, I do want to do a little shameless plug as well about the importance of libraries—not just during times of crisis, but at all times. Um, libraries truly are the great equalizer. It does not depend on your education, your wealth, your ethnicity, uh, or anything else. It is a place where you can go for information uh, for all. And uh, if you haven't been to your local library lately, visit it because it's—they did. They, libraries have changed a lot over the years so anyways with all that being said I want to say this I am not a trained historian and while I have a deep fascination and inextinguishable desire to better understand the history of our nation I will never be considered an expert that being said I do have something to add to this wonderful conference what I can add is this I am a storyteller by training I'm a librarian and archivist to put that into different words I am a collector and chronicler Of other people's stories. It is through the collection of artifacts within the archives that I get a better understanding of whatever I am exploring, be it diaries or photographs, letters or records, be it physical items or an oral retelling or a genealogical document. I examine, study, and finesse these items to release their secrets. This is why I'm here with you today. I want to share some of the recent secrets that I've been revealed within the Billings Public Library's archives about the library during World War I. Allow me this request. Imagine the following scene, and if you want to have some theatrics with it, you can close your eyes. The year is 1917. Location: Forgotten battlefield in France. You are sitting in a trench muddied by water and sullied by human excrement and blood and parts of flesh. You're shaking because of both the fear you have during this time and the cold that seeps through your soiled uniform. Dirt finds residence within every orifice of your body. The misery of you and your comrades is easily observed. For the moment, the shelling has stopped. A silence, call it peace, surrounds you like a chrysalis. But this silence cannot last. Excuse me. But this silence cannot last, you know too well that the symphony of war is being called back to the stage to play encore after encore. Is this realization that a distant buzz begins to invade the silence? If we had our audio working, um, I don't want to drown them out next door, just pretend you hear plain sounds right now. You are all too familiar with this buzz, there is no mistaking this sound. The sound coming towards you is the product of a Junker CLI, ground attack aircraft, built specifically to eviscerate all life in the trenches. You know that the anonymous two-man crew soaring above you at 100 miles per hour plans to torment you and the others around you with the three mounted machine guns. You've experienced this before. With any luck, you'll live to experience this again. If fate is on your side, the dreaded Manfred von Richthofen, alias Red Baron, is not lurking behind, not not lurking behind, hidden in the clouds. Perhaps you'll be lucky enough to only have to endure the onslaught by the hands of one of his most notorious pupils, Hermann Göring, the man who would later become infamous in World War II. But that is the future. You are here in the now. As the buzzing comes closer, you begin to shake more. Fear and cold are no longer the reason for the shaking. Adrenaline has elevated your excitement. You grab a hold of your M1917 Enfield rifle and begin to mentally prepare yourself how you'll strike out against this much superior foe. This moment is your personal David and Goliath recreation. The buzzing of the engines are almost upon you now. You are no longer shaking, you are focused. You are prepared to vanquish this adversary, or or alternatively, to be vanquished. You take a deep breath, and as you are exhaling, awaiting the inevitable clash with this airborne Titan, other sounds add themselves to the cacophonous melody. These new sounds are different than the buzzing from the German machine of death. Scanning their horizon, and imagine more airplane sounds here, Scanning their horizon, two other planes have come to join this aerial soiree. At first, your stomach tightens. Three enemy aircraft means almost certain death for you and your fellow soldiers. Seconds have now elongated into minutes. A fellow soldier peering through a spotting scope begins to shout, They're friendlies! They're friendlies! You train your eyes on the new two approaching aircraft and can faintly recognize the insignia on the aircraft's tails. With any luck, It is Eddie Rickenbauer or Frank Luke Jr. coming to your rescue you've heard tales upon tales of the daring feats and accomplishments of these men a smile slowly spreads across your face okay so why would I show these slides and this build up this story about the Parmley Memorial Library well because these are the stories that were told these are the stories, that setting, that imagery, that would have been known to the readers back in Billings during this time via, via news outlets, uh, via stories, via, via poetry. Okay, So back home, the people knew how the trenches were. Back home, people knew how devastating that war was over in Europe. So now we focus on the stories that we don't know. Because we all know that history books like to show those stories. But it's the ones in the archives, the ones that haven't been told, that haven't been published about, that we want to look at now. So now we focus on these stories. Because across the pond in America, in the sparsely populated state of Montana, in a quaint city named for a railroad and business industrialist, Frederick Billings, another battle was taking place. Well, not as thrilling nor nearly as deadly, It is a crucial battle that with every success brings a promise of victory for america and her allies within the parmley billings memorial library named for frederick billing's son parmley who tragically died from pneumonia in 1888 while en route to chicago a recently hired library director mrs elizabeth garber who signed all of her documents as mrs henry garber in for the intent of this presentation will be known as Mrs. Henry Garber going forth, began to devise ways to help the residents of Billings, Montana become better acquainted with what was transpiring over in Europe. But she was not the only remarkable Montana woman to add her voice during this time. Congresswoman Jeanette Rankin, by far the most popular of Montana women leaders during this time, but boldly voted for the exclusion of the United States in not only World War I, but also World War II. On a lesser but still powerful note, Harriet V. Hayden, Harriet O'Day, and Emily C. Covert were also making names for themselves as nurses from Yellowstone County who valiantly offered their services abroad. Along with these remarkable women, almost 2,000 men, approximately one in every four from Yellowstone County volunteered to fight overseas. Tragically, of the 521 Montana men that perished in World War I Fifty-one men were brothers, sons, and fathers of Yellowstone County families. So it was during this time that Mrs. Henry Garber began the process of utilizing the Parmley Billings Memorial Library as a place to not only help the war effort, but also as a place where information could be shared, ideas could be discussed, and history could be better understood when the first orders of business was to establish a war chest for Yellowstone County. How well can you guys see those? That's, can we kill the lights or? If we can, I'll do my best to describe some. Go ahead. Mr. Egan will will help me with this. Dr. Egan, excuse me. (laughs) You can call me, Ken. Uh, Actually, I'm having a hard time reading it. (laughs) The gist of that is is the War Service Committee is is saying to Mrs. Elizabeth Garber, these are your new responsibilities to form a war chest, and we'll get into that in a little bit here. Okay. So this Yellowstone County war chest, to help supplement this endeavor, uh, women's auxiliary groups held tea parties, raffles, and if possible, bake sales okay now on this maybe I will just have to read some of these to you okay a side note besides needing money okay what I want to read to you is a letter from the American Library Association library war service division that says dear librarians The need for men is imperative if we are to carry the ALA war service to a successful conclusion the camp libraries are rendering an invaluable service during the period of demobilization by simulating and directing the reading of men along vocational civic and other educational lines thus connecting them with the name with home jobs and home library it goes on and goes forth and it's a little ironic because um, here you have all all these women back home now, who are who have stepped into these roles of directors, and this letter comes to them that says, "Yeah, you're doing a good job at being a director at home, but do you know any men?" Kind of kind of ironic. Okay. So it was at this time also that the Red Cross began to use one of the basement rooms as a place for cutting bandages and for making comfort kits for the soldiers. It was at this time the library became a place where a variety of organizations came to discuss and implement the logistics of book and magazine drives for the soldiers fighting in Europe and these book drives reached a wide audience three book drives stand out that I want to share about the first was conducted by the Boy Scouts of America who during the course of three months collected over 2,000 books you gotta remember this is the year 1917 Okay, and while books were very popular, they were still not necessarily in every home, okay? So they collected 2,000 books during this time. Another drive conducted, and this one kind of got to me a little bit, uh, conducted by the elementary school children of Billings collected 700 joke books that were sent to Hoboken, New Jersey, and then to the many different hospitals in France and England. Taken from the library director's report of July 1st, 1918, she has this to say about the children of Billings in this drive. The children wanted to share the joy of these jokes with men who may need some laughter. Kind of a poignant statement there. And finally, the collection of over 2,000 technical manuals to be included in the many different training grounds within the United States. Vice Admiral Albert Gleaves had this to say about the importance of the soldiers receiving books. Do soldiers read very much? Do they read very much? I know from personal observation that the books were in constant demand, and they were in constant circulation. They were placed as a rule near the troop compartments for soldiers and for the sailors. They were placed in the compartments. There was no compulsion to read these books, no restraint. These men had free access, and they used it. The books the men received acted as more than just an antidote for boredom. They also provided the opportunity for men to enhance their skills, learn different trades, and understand business or engineering or plumbing or a dozen of other crafts and trades. Of course, some of the men read in order to celebrate the written word. Poetry was popular, as was Shakespeare. These books helped to boost morale and provide a connection while alleviating homesickness for the people back in the United States. However, not all books were allowed to be sent to the Met. Uh, several books were listed as being too pacifistic or in support of Bolshevism. So in a strange twist of irony where we are, as librarians, anti-censorship, we will censor ourselves in case... Uh, goes antithetical to what the message of what the war effort was so it was also at this time that under the leadership of mrs henry garber every soldier who passed through billings um through the depot at billings was given a book a magazine and some paper in order to write home so their families would not worry about them you think about that now how how almost of a quaint package that would have been to receive you know a book a magazine and here's some paper but how instrumental that was and and, and how important that was for those men at that time. It was at this time that every piece of material that circulated from the the library had an insert of food conservation charts, recipes, and other information about the War Efforts Food Campaign. Example of this, was I clicking, sorry. An example of this comes from this document here, that you see, maybe you can't see because it's a little blurry, but this pamphlet was put in every circulating book, and what it has, uh-oh, uh, this'll work. What it has here, it has basically, here are recipes that break out every single day. Cook this in, for to conserve food in these ways. Over here, it talks about different different allowances of fat, sugars, and wheats, okay? So every person that checked out a book had this pamphlet in their book, in their, in their material, so that they can go home, share, uh, follow these guidelines, help with the work efforts uh, in their own home. Within these circulating materials, there was also literature about war-saving stamps and information about war bonds. Now, we've probably all seen some of these. This is kind of a general um, war bond uh, advertisement. Um, what are they? Why should you do it? How can you buy them? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. What's interesting is I found this one in our archives. To you, citizen of Montana, your country is calling you. I mean, this is very specific now, right? I and mean, this isn't a general call. This is okay, Montanans. We need your help. And what's interesting also is this comes from a bank in Minneapolis. It was also at this time that the library expanded its collection of materials pertaining to books about where the soldiers were fighting, the cultures and the history of these foreign places, and biographies of the leaders being discussed. It was also at this time that the library created, and this is kind of neat, I think, created a living war map that was changed daily. To reflect the newest information about troop movements battle lines advances retreats every day someone got those reports every day somebody updated them and every day citizens of Billings came to the library to see how the troops were doing in this living map that's a level of dedication that I think is incredible and commitment um, so that we as citizens would know how are the boys doing, what's going on. Finally, it was at this time that the library prominently also displayed different government exhibitions and posters, some of them propaganda. It was through these posters, but this next segment is really awe-inspiring. For it was also at this time that Mrs. Henry Garber took a stand for a marginalized group of people, the German immigrant. On the heels of Sheriff Matlock's, here are some of the propaganda posters. On the heels of Sheriff S.W. Matlock's proclamation, which states... Oh, goodness. Which states... I.S.W. Uh, Matlock, Sheriff of Yellowstone County, Montana, deem it in the present crisis in this formal proclamation to assure all residents of foreign birth that although the United States has been actively involved in the Great European War, no citizen of any foreign power resident in the com- county of Yellowstone State of Montana need fear any invasion of his personal or property rights as long as he goes peaceably about his business and conducts himself in a law abiding manner. Some caveats to that, obviously. But here we have this elected official who has made this stance. Not a very popular stance, by the way. Okay? So on the heels of this stance, Mrs. Elizabeth Garber, to the dismay of some community members, never refused service to any patron. This included Otto Williams. I don't know how many of you have ever heard this story. Otto Williams was a German immigrant. He was the town butcher for Billings. He was very popular. He was very successful. But because Otto was a German immigrant, a vicious story started circulating about him and his business. For what happened was, all of a sudden, this story came about that Otto was concealing a radio on his roof of his shop. And at nights he would transmit gathered information, intelligence data, if you will, to German agents. The funny thing is, no radio was ever found. Yet Otto remained a pariah in his own community because of this rumor. Mrs. Elizabeth Garber did what she could to help this family, brave act on her part. To place all of these things into a larger context and accomplishments, the hard work and dedication of the Parmly Billings Memorial Library under the leadership of Mrs. Henry Garber helped the American Library Association's War Service Committee establish 36 camp libraries put 147 librarians in the field serve over 550 different camps stations and vessels distribute over 1.7 million books to soldiers fighting abroad purchase over 300,000 technical manuals and books and distribute over 5 million magazines And when the armistice was signed On November 11, 1918, the staff of the Parmley Billings Memorial Library celebrated with their neighbors in the streets. As impromptu processions marched down the streets and fireworks and skyrockets dazzled the partiers, and even when the Billings United States Postal Office closed without consent of the federal government, men and women came to Mrs. Henry Garber and thanked her for what she had done for the community for keeping them informed, for keeping them included, for keeping them a a place where they could go to hopefully understand something that was beyond understanding. But she was not done yet. Because her service did not end at the close of World War I. Her biggest challenge still lay ahead of her. For it was in February of 1919 that the Spanish flu visited Billings. Before long, schools were closed and scores and scores of people were either riddled with sickness at home or in the hospital. And public buildings were placed on quarantine status, including the Parmley Memorial Library. Those lucky enough to leave Billings for summer cabins did so, but even under quarantine status, Mrs. Henry Garber continued to serve the populace of Billings. If the patrons could not visit the library, then she was determined to visit them outside of the library. During this time, she disseminated literature about hygiene, medical care, and Red Cross stations. It was also at this time that she disseminated the many books and magazines still left over from all the drives so that those who were bedridden would have something to read. Mrs. Henry Garber will remain in her post as a library director of the Parmley Billings Memorial Library until 1938. I can't imagine what she did during the Depression, if she was this bold. And by the way, when she took this post, this was six months on the job for her. So all of that information to describe A very little-known person who was a mighty leader so we go back so let's go back to our soldier who we left as a smile broke across his face perhaps we will never really know why I was smiling but I like to think the reason for his smile is this when our nation comes upon troubling times and this is inevitable fact for any nation we have a precious secret here in the United States our secret is that when this happens men and women from all walks of life are ready to place their lives in line for the betterment of their fellow man and woman both within and outside our borders we may we may not all be heroes with a capital H and that's okay for it is the countless number of heroes with the lowercase h the types of heroes like mrs. Henry Garber that the greatest impacts are felt each of the stories recovered from the archives of the Billings Public Library form a unique and beautiful archipelago of the human story. That is why I'm here with you today to share in the share in the awe of these stories and to celebrate the power of understanding one's history. I thank you for the time. I look forward to hearing some of your questions. Thank you.